What's up, podcast listeners? This is another addition to my seminar series about assessments using the functional movement screen and how to program a warm-up based on your findings. So we go over um, shoulder mobility exercises, um, core stability, hip stability, everything in this episode. And there's definitely a good discussion between all the people in the group that we had uh, present. So without further ado, here is the next section to my assessment series. Um, okay, let's brainstorm. What would you do for someone who has really shitty shoulders, mobility-wise? Pull up. A little. That's more kind of like active and stability. Think more mobile. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. Retractions. Retractions. Cat house. Cat house. Didn't we? No, we didn't. No, we just went over when we were going through the board. What else would you do for the shoulder, mobility-wise? Say hi to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Quad, um, yeah, like I, there's so many different variations. In That's this, true. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, not really. Um, let's act. Let's, a hint would be like let's go more into more active stuff that can require more stability and stuff like that. Your the, the kettlebell one. Arm bar, hell yeah. Kettlebell bar, what is that? What is that? Oh, and
other videos, like when we started doing this, what happens is like when we started with the overhead squat, a lot of these exercises keep popping up over and over and over again. So it kind of just shows how the FMS kind of breaks down each movement, like each uh, assessment, and you kind of have things that repeat. And like I look at it, if there's an exercise that always repeats over and over and over again, that's probably just specific to that person that needs it. Um, any other ideas? No. I'm gonna throw in pullovers. TRX wall slot. Be the first line of defense to make them move and feel better and continue yeah. giving us money. 
Really simple, right? Um, anything else that you guys can think of to throw into shoulder mobility? Shoulder mobility. Floor stability. TGU for sure. We'll go over that all different phases. Someone said something else. Is it lat, lat stretch? Yeah, I'll, I'll like go over it around the towel one? Or yep. to your ex watch. So she 
like whipped her leg on top. Oh. And like with her weight going down, she actually like had like a great two tear in her hamstring. So now imagine if we did pails and rails for like hip, one hip flexion and having the like straight down to the ground. So then if that did happen, nothing would happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Be good. Yeah. Questions, thoughts, concerns on this guy. Lots of stuff for the shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll definitely go over all the exercises. I just need someone to take a photo of this. Oh, oh hey, yeah, sir. What's up? I guys. I love to have a meeting. Do you know what the shoulder mobility test is for the FMS? Uh, no, it is. No, I believe I did it. Yeah, so really simply, you guys, two people, not two people, two hands <laughs> here, and then you're I doing this. That. <laughs> yes, that I did. Right? And then this would be all the exercises I would give to an individual if this was really crappy. But then all of these depend on what this looked like. Is that the time you have shoulder? Yeah, you kind of still do. So we took a photo of this, correct? Yes. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Okay. I think maybe I need to pass the gun for you now. I was probably just doing the right things for you. Yeah. You know, not doing anything. Well, I will. What does this mean? Um, Active straight leg raise. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So, if someone had really uh, terrible active straight leg raise, what would be kind of like the first thought process of where you want to go to improve that? And remember, active straight leg raise kind of determines whether or not someone can deadlift off the floor safely and effectively. What was the question? Where would you start with an individual if they had a terrible active straight leg raise? No. I'm not going to answer But like exercise-wise, what would you want to do to kind of improve their active straight leg raise? Hip mobility is good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, you want specific warm-up exercises? Wait, okay, no. This is, see, this is what I was concerned yeah. about. It's not so ignorant. No, just, but like, is it when you're laying down and yeah, yep. yeah, would your like core have anything? Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Right. So like, active straight leg raise, you're not only looking at the leg that's lifting, but the opposite hip how it stabilizes and how the core stabilizes in order to get this guy. Okay. Right. So 100%, this is where dead bug falls into place, bird dog falls into place, which we already kind of chatted about earlier too, I think in the overhead squat. Um, Half knee on two rotation bars. Yeah. Half knee on anything really. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I'm trying to think like, think like less advanced. Are you on core right now or do you want hips? Okay. Oh, okay. Well, 90 90. Yeah. 90 90 would work. What is that? So the 90 90 position is this guy here. Oh, yeah. Right? I tried to do that today. What about this? Breathing. Mm. Most people don't know how to breathe. 100%. Yeah. Um, 
So when I'm in the clinic, that's one of the things we always test. I get a simple like test of like one hand on your belly, one hand on your chest, and yeah. like breathe. And like, you want to teach them how to use diaphragm. So it's like, we've done it in the clinic where we test their active straight leg raise, it was terrible. We taught them how to breathe for like 30 reps, retest it, it's like night and day. And you're like, oh my god, who would have thought, right? Mm -hmm. And they think we're like gods, when it's like, no, just freaking use your diaphragm, right? Yeah. Because um, again, this goes back to your nervous system. If it's always kind of tense and like redlining, and you teach them how to calm it down by diaphragm. Um, does anyone know, like, anatomy-wise, why your diaphragm makes you feel super relaxed and, like, at ease? So there is a cranial nerve called your vagus nerve that goes from your brain, goes down through your trach, down into your diaphragm. So now imagine giving space to a nerve and then relaxing, giving space and relaxing and now it'll send a signal to the rest of your body to calm down so when i'm in the clinic i'll always tell people that are super stressed that the one thing i want them to do is like before bed like try to breathe for 30 reps and they're going to fall asleep so quick right right and then most people can't like figure out how to do this to breathe so they're thinking about how to breathe and nothing else in their head so that's like, if you just focus on one thing, you're going to fall asleep pretty quickly. Yeah, I love this. Right? So it all starts with breathing, too. And then that indirectly will also train pelvic floor. What nerve like, was that you said? The vagus nerve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Which we'll also get into. Like, we'll do a whole pre and post meal thing in this as well, because that's super important. Um, so, what else would you give a person? Can you start? Can you say? Okay, so what was the thing with the pelvic floor that you were saying? How does it indirectly? How does breathing indirectly? Um, so breathing is like the first kind of initiation step to core activation. Right. But to have it completely intact, you also need pelvic floor and diaphragm to come together to kind of create. They call it a cancer effect. So in a perfect world, when your diaphragm expands forward, out to the side behind you, yeah. and pelvic floor rises up, yeah. you've now created enough intra-abdominal pressure to stabilize your spine. So when you decide to go pick something off off the ground, you're not going to F your shit up, essentially. Right? Um, Single leg deadlifts. So a lot of, t yes. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times when I see women in the clinic that had kids, I always ask the question, how was labor? And if they had a really long and hard labor, the last thing they should be doing is overly bracing front planks, side planks, whatever it is, because they've been doing that forever, and they don't know actually how to relax their pelvic floor. So they're overly braced. So if you sent them to like Diane Lee Associates where they hook you up to an ultrasound and ask you to turn on your core and they overly brace, they have an incorrect sequence. So kind of similar to uh, proper like hip extension, it should be glute, hamstring, then low back and not anything else. So proper um, core activation is transverse abdominus, yeah. um, internal oblique, external oblique, yeah. and then rectus abdominis. 
And usually what happens is the reverse. So now we have like an implosion effect, and now all the kind of sheer force is going to go into weird things. And then people have like SI joint instability, they have low back pain, all because of pregnancy. But it's because they didn't have the education coming out of the pregnancy of what to do. Because hmm. most women will go to like mommy boot camps and now they're doing a bunch of crunches because they don't want to get their tummies away. Yeah. But that can actually make things worse. Hmm. So then you'll like hear a lot of times with moms like, yeah, I deal with incontinence for like the last 13 years. And it's like, that's not normal. What is that? They can. Yeah. They, they, they oh. can eat during workouts. So in the classes, if you ever like, see a woman run off to the bathroom, most likely because they couldn't hold in their bladder. Mm -hmm. right? So jumping jacks, yeah. running, yeah. broad jumps. Yeah. I even had a woman who did assisted chin-ups and she's like, I pissed myself. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, this is like, and it happens to like everyone. So like the stats are like, uh, one out of three women have pelvic yeah. floor issues. Right. So most likely, all the women that we train in there have some stuff, but they're too embarrassed to talk about it because they think it's like a weird taboo thing, but it's like, no, it's not. Or they think it's normal. They think it's like yeah. everyone's supposed to have that happen. Okay, yeah. so how do you prevent that? Like, So it all starts with an assessment of the pelvic floor. That's why I sent them to Diane Lee's, but now we're going to be actually getting um, the pelvic floor physio here starting next week, which oh. is going to be huge. Um, what's up? That's awesome. Yeah, I only that once. <laughs> yeah, so it all kind of starts from there, and then how to reactivate, how to reactivate their core properly. And a lot of times, it's really difficult to kind of get that together. It's similar to like teaching someone how to breathe, but like the best analogy to teach a woman how to activate their pelvic floor is thinking of like. So not so much Kegels that's like a little bit too aggressive. Okay. It's like you want to like, don't only say this if you're close to a woman, yeah. um, you want to think of pulling a single tissue out of a tissue box. <laughs> what? Okay. No. My girlfriend just had a baby and so she got the pelvic test done and yeah. they told her she's been doing Kegels wrong her whole life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I understand, she's like, yeah, you pull up. And I was like, yeah, yeah. how else do you do it though? Like, I don't understand how you can like, do it yeah. wrong. So, and then for men, because men can have pelvic floor issues too, so a prime example, do you still not get it? Like if you're just suck like a blueberry. What was that? What was that? <laughs> it's like that light. Oh, that light. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then, a lot of times women will talk about this, but they can also get organ prolapse too, where stuff comes out. That's right. Right? And it's, like, it can even happen if, if they like sneezed. Shut like, up. And your organs come up? Yeah. Why not? So they have a special pelvic floor physio that has another, another specialty that only deals with prolapse. And they'll do assessments where they get in there too. How dangerous is that? Pretty dangerous. Like, yeah. Um, and then for men, they can also have pelvic floor issues in the sense of if you ever hear like, oh yeah, my husband has like constant hernias. Right? A lot of dudes who play hockey, right, have terrible core, um, they'll get hernias, and that's because they don't have a strong pelvic floor. So for a guy, how I teach them how to get their pelvic floor on is like the analogy of you're walking into a cold lake, and you get the water like, <laughs> down like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to do so that. So everybody can relate to that, oh my God. So anyway, <laughs> 
to breathing. Um, what else would you do? Okay, you said single like deadlift, which you is reach, like not weight. So what would be like an easier way for the single leg deadlift while thinking of along the lines of like breathing and basic core function? What's it? Regression. Yeah. Like a single leg glute bridge. You're on the right track. So it would be like the hamstring drops that we do. Oh, right, right. So what these are, <clears throat> you take a red band or any kind of band, and you're lying on your back. Oh, yeah. We did that. Slight bend in the knee. The band goes around the foot you're holding, and then the other leg drops. Yeah. So if you took me upside down, this is a single leg deadlift, mm -hmm. but it's also teaching how to activate this to dropping the leg. Constantly. So it's an indirect way to teach your nervous system balance and core function at the same time. And those aren't easy. No, they're not. Like most people. And then that's when I would flip people over and do like a body and single leg deadlift. Mm -hmm. And then progress it. Mm -hmm. Anything else hip related? Could you give those bows in the same warm up? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Where everyone's just thinking about pulling their vagina out. It's like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> that was so interesting. Nicole was like looking at me and going, I'm like, I'm trying it. She didn't know what it meant. Oh, okay. Did you join with him? Yeah. You did not think this was going to be a Yeah, no, right? Way back. You know what I'm going to call this? Just what did you learn on your first day? Hip flexor stretch, mm -hmm. right? Hip cars. I was gonna say hip cars. Have me alone. Mm, okay. Kind of not really. Okay. Um, Is hip car this one? The one with the leg right there? Yeah. Yes. Can't do everything. Is stretch one way. Anything else that you guys can think of? Mm -hmm. Or more active for like leg spins? Mm. Not really. It's not core activating? Unless they were holding on to I'd also throw on like any hip mobility exercise. Oh, I could have said that. Any Something as simple as like a single leg um, balance. Mm. Right, most people can't do this for a minute without falling over. That's a test in SFMA on the clinical side. And most people fall over it within 10 seconds. <laughs> and there's like studies shown that if you can't do this for a minute, you have a really high chance of like dying early. Uh, what? Right? Why? Well, think about if you were like 60 years old and you, you fall over all yeah. the time and you can't get up. Yeah. Right? So it's like, you can literally like, <sighs> if I had an older person, I'm like, this is the first thing we're going to do. Time at 30 seconds aside. And this, yeah. You, just, you just watch him like, oh my god. Yeah, like the half meal like is gonna be money for a lot of this stuff, but uh let's move on to the next thing so we'll get into. Someone take a photo, I'm sorry. Comment. Any questions on all of this so far? Are those in like priorities events? No, no. Okay. We're just like brainstorming <laughs> I didn't think together. So. 
So would you, when you program like templates for your warm-ups, you would try to pick the priority stuff at the beginning? Of course. Um, so based on that question, like, does it really matter? Probably not. If you want to do it that way, sure. Um, I like to make warm-ups where it's either a person starting on their belly or their back, and then we work themselves up, yeah. right? So it's almost like rerouting the brain and software how you developed as a child, mm -hmm. right? So it's like clearly every kid starts on their back, they roll over, they're on their hands and knees, they're in a half kneel position, they decide to walk and go. So you can almost go with the same concept of creating a warm-up that way. And that's basically the whole um, premise of the FMS. And another course that I still want to teach is never comes out this way, and it's usually international. It's um, DNS courses, and it's all based on childhood development and how to translate that into exercise. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, petit push-up. What would you program exercise-wise to improve the petit push-up in the FMS? Do you, do you remember what the T push-up is? So essentially you have your hands a lot higher than a regular push-up and one, one motion you can come up. So think of what is required in order to do a push-up extended like that. Does that even help you? It depends. It depends. Yeah. It depends. <laughs> why, why? why are you asking if it's healthy? Because when you're loading forward, like they always like for mountain climbers, you know, so it goes back to what is it trying to test for? It's asking the body if it can uh, turn on its core while challenging extension, mm -hmm. right? Like I wouldn't give that to anybody to like put in their program unless like their goal was to do really crazy calisthenic body weight movements, right? Or you have a really strong person that's been training with you for years and follow every single piece of advice you've ever given them and they're like a freak of nature and they're stronger than you, then you know you gotta come up with like stuff that's gonna challenge them. Mm -hmm. So this is gonna be like more of a fun one if you start thinking about what is required in order to do something that's that challenging. Well it takes more responsibility. Front plank would be a good place to start. <laughs> but now think of someone who was really bad at that, and like their low back, uh, low back, low back was sagging. What's like easier than a front plank? Emily should know this. What's easier than a front plank? Yeah, that would be similar to. Oh, small plank. Yeah. What kind of plank? I passed. Small plank. Oh, that's easy. Oh, that's well, of course, because you're limiting the lever lens, right? right so imagine if someone like in a T push-up, like had their low back sagging, and they're like, yeah, that didn't feel good on that low back. And you give them a front plank, they don't know how to stabilize this, so after a while they're gonna start looking like this. Whereas if you cut the lever length like then we said in half, this is a lot safer for the low back. We got some serious stuff for <laughs> <laughs> um, You can even throw in side points.
I've come across the only issue with the sprawl plank versus the front plank is if someone has bad shoulders. Yeah. You find it hurt or risk to be in the hand extension. Yeah, so that goes back to like the entire exactly. class, right? Yeah. So if you know their shoulders are terrible, now you have to rethink what am I going to give them for yeah. core stuff that's not going to bump their shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Anything else here? You can literally just throw like any core exercise. Like chops and legs, carries. TRX front plane. Oh. Atomic crunch. What about hollow planes? Hollow body? TRX front planes. Yeah. Pushing your weight back. Oh, and forward. Forward. Okay, okay. Um, any rollout variation with the ball, ab wheel, anything oh, no. like that. Okay, okay. Um, a stilly ball, uh, song. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, figure eights on the ball. Yeah. Yeah, the stir the pot would be easier. Any other extension, anti-extension exercises mm -hmm. you can think of? Anti-extension. So say like a front plank, I am fighting extension, right? If I gave into extension, I'd like or want to hear. What about actual push-ups? Yeah. TRS push-ups. Any push-up oh, variation. <laughs> so like you can tell that all this is kind of more advanced stuff based on the movement requirement for the T-push-up. Like that's a freaking hard thing and most people can't do it. So now if you think about that, where most of the, like I've rarely seen a really good T push up other than like a dude that was like semi fit throughout his whole life. So imagine the majority of all of our members are women, and then you put them through this and they're like squirming up to get there. And now all these are in the classes, they're probably not doing them that, that well. And then we're building strength over dysfunction over time. And they're like, why is my shoulder hurt, low back, head? Right, so now if you see how someone uh, acts in the T push-up, now you know where they need on like the line of progressions and regressions of exercises, where they're at, get really good at them, and then progress them. I think that's the big thing is strength over dysfunction. Yeah. People want that more, but don't realize that it stops them from getting yeah. the results they want. Just like a good like experiment so far. is the next time you're in a class, watch all the women doing push-ups, <laughs> and then and just see the difference, right? And it's like they're probably just wasting their time doing like the knee push-ups, the butt up, and doing this, or even doing like mountain climbers with their butt up and like head down, like hoping that it, the 30 seconds is over. <laughs> so it's like really they're just moving for the sake of moving. 
but over time they're going to have issues. That's why their programming needs to reflect not just like actual different exercises. Yeah, so good examples like when I do the FMS on someone and they create like their warm up that's specific to them. By like the 12th minute of their warm up, they're like, "Why is this so freaking hard? Is this my workout?" And I'm like, We're, "We haven't even started yet, right?" So if you actually pick easier exercises, but it's geared towards what they're weak at, they're not going to know the difference, right? Like that's why if you like look over when I train people, like, "Oh, that's really easy," but if I found an easy exercise that really challenges whatever your weakness is, you're gonna be like, "Fuck, this sucks." And they're actually not easier; they're harder. Yeah. Ready to move on? Oh. Want to take a photo? I think we're almost done. What time is it? Almost done. Yeah. Wait, don't erase it. Alright, what else? 
rotary stability. Just think of like what people screw up on in um, the rotary stability test. Think hip stability. Yeah. Well, they lean over on the side. Yeah, like hips open hand. So, so, so half kneeling. <laughs> All variations of half kneeling. <clears throat> what else? Wouldn't um, hip cars be. Bird dog that we've done before. Yeah. Hip cars against the wall be really good? Yeah. See you later. back. 
because you'll get a lot of people who just don't know how to move. Yeah. They've never played sports in their life, and when you tell them to push their hips back, they're like, I'm like, no, push yeah. your hips back, and they still can't get it. And you just need to like, push them in the right direction, they still won't get it. Like, I've literally like, okay, so what they like, 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 push people, they still won't get it. It's like, what do you do for a person in that case, then? How do you? Yeah, you just keep hitting them until they figure it out. Um, the big thing is like figuring out creative ways, and this is how what good coaching is, is figuring out ways.